there's two up here, and that's probably plenty, but let's pray. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, so much for all you've done, the beautiful day for gathering us here, every person that made an effort to be here. I pray that you'd bless them. And, and Lord, we just ask for your anointing today, especially in my brother Glenn as he shares what you've laid on his heart, but also in us as we listen. Help us to hear your voice, hear your will, hear what you have for us, Lord. And not only hear, but do it. Like Jesus said, he that hears and does, he's building his house on the rock. I pray that we build our house this morning on the rock, Jesus Christ. And not be like those building on the sand who hear, but don't obey. Lord, just guide us this morning. Help us to be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we just pray to, right now, Lord. We just, I just pray for the spirit of, um, and the gift of speaking in tongues this morning, Lord. Lord, may we speak your language here this morning. Lord, I f pray that you would, um, you are the God who fills when we feel empty. You are the God who strengthens when we are weak. You are the God who, who goes before. You are the God who splits the water as the children of Israel went through the water. And you are the God who opened the graves of, the, of, the, of your son. And now lives on high. So I just pray that you would empower us this morning. And Lord, that you would empower each one who calls the name of Jesus upon the name of Jesus this morning. And we just thank you for what you will do here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Roger. When you uh, take uh, stress relief steel... And some of you may are not in the steel industry like I am, but when you stress relieve steel, you heat treat it, or you stress, they call it stress relieve it. They put it in a furnace, and they put all the molecules back in line. You can take this massive piece of steel that would, uh, a lot of times uh, when this, when, when you weld beside steel, a lot of times the weld will not break, but it will break beside the steel, I mean beside the, the weld, the steel weld. And so they put it in this furnace, they heat it up to X, Y, D degrees, and then they cool it down in different increments. And it's a process. It's not just put it in the furnace and we feel good about ourselves and it's all good. So they heat it up in, in certain increments and then they, they cool it back down. And then it puts all the molecules of the steel back in line. So they're all ready. So when you, when you weld, it, it changes the molecule of the steel, right? And so now we put it in this furnace, okay? So then it puts all the molecules back in line. So this morning, I feel like I need to put my nerves back in line. Is that okay? So can we stand here this morning? Let's sing a song. And so this song we're going to sing, turn to 189. This morning, or in the wee hours of the morning this morning, I was, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, why does it bother me when, when Roger asked, Brother Roger asked me to preach? It's just like, uh, you know, I can make the announcements, I can have the Bible study, it's okay. But when he asked me to share the main message, all of a sudden it's like, I'll do it. But um, it makes me nervous. Okay? And um, I want to bless my family this morning. I got some nice, encouraging notes from them. And uh, they all three said the same thing, so I just want to bless them this morning. But let's sing this song as we worship God. This is the same tune as um, um, Come Thou Almighty King. So let's sing this song to God, and uh, let's sing it like we mean it, okay? That we're going to worship the Lord here this morning. <clears throat> Glory to God on high. Let heaven and earth reply, praise ye his name, his love and grace adore with all.
Join all ye ransom race. be seated. Okay, so I went back in my notes and I seen where, what, did you, it was um, June the 30th that I spoke last and I would like to ask, does anybody know what I spoke on? Anybody? Sam, do you know? Well, didn't do a very good job. Timothy, do you know? Do you remember? George? Hey, nobody? Benjamin? Oh, okay, what's the priest sermon about? Forgot. You forgot. Okay, Brother Roger, do you know? Nope. Oh. Oh. Jesus. Amen. Yes? Well, I didn't forget. I was up in Washington this past week, and I was thinking about, you know, I'm going to ask them, did I do a good enough job? I need mate. What's that? Um, about a foundation. Sears Tower. Sears Tower. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so what was the spiritual lesson? You need to have a good foundation. Why do you need to have a good foundation? I should have went to a school, to the seminar, what you, with that thing, Jay, at the Policy Internet over here, to learn how to be a good teacher. I said, Brother Rogers is a way better teacher than I am, and I enjoy your teaching thought process. Okay, so what what about a good foundation? Why do you need one? So when the storms of life blow. Okay, so when the storms of life blow. So this morning I thought, you know, I my topic was not on a poor foundation. Maybe we should have started there and it ended up with a good foundation, but you know what? Sometimes we do things backwards. And so this morning, we're going to talk about having a poor foundation. We're going to look at three individuals in Scripture that had a poor foundation, but we're going to end on a positive note. Is that okay? And we will try to leave out on time. But first of all, I would like to have you turn with your Bible with me, and we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 6 on a little pre-sermon. And I was talking to an elderly person, and they were a bit discouraged, and this is what they told me. I sat down with them, and I was just sat down there and listened. Can you believe that? I actually sat down and just listened to what they had to tell me. And this is what they told me. And they said, you know, I get a lot of strength from these verses. And this is what they told me. And they, and they just quoted this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. And we're going to read, and we're just going to make a few comments. <clears throat> And this, is what, and this is the prayer that Jesus told, his, told us how to pray. He said, pray, he said, after this manner, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this individual said, you know, that is just a blessing to them. It says, our Father which is in heaven. Our Father, just try to grasp who God is. Our Father which is in heaven. And hallowed be thy name. There is nobody higher, which I'm thankful, there is nobody higher than God that can make the decisions that he makes. And I'm glad that I don't have to make the decision he makes. He is in he heaven, and he and they were saying, Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, to honor, to glorify God. Which we sang this morning about glorifying God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. What? As it is in heaven. So is God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Now bless me. And then, it, it's, it, verse 11 says like this, Give us our, da our daily bread. Forgive, uh, give us our daily bread. 
every day, every moment, to give our daily bread. You know, sometimes living in America, if we don't have it, we're going to the store. But you know what? Things may change for us in America someday. And I believe they're going to. They're, and we're going to be... Um, maybe we need to be... At, we will be on our knees before God. Where's our daily bread? Do I think... You know what bothers me sometimes? I see people... They sit before a big bowl, a big bowl, a big platter of food, and they just start forking it wholesale. You know, never bowing the knee, never bowing their head, and saying, thank you, Jesus. And I have practice. I try to put it into practice. Me and my little son were up in central Washington, and I decided, you know what, I don't care who's watching. I don't care who these people are. It really don't matter to me. We were going to bow our head, and we are going to say an audible prayer. We join hands and we just pray. Thinking God, I really didn't care who was watching. It really don't matter because sometimes we are more concerned about who is watching than God himself is watching what we're doing and what, what we're doing. Okay, so here, get, a, get this and get this good. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Are we willing to forgive or do, do we want God to forgive us as much as we forgive other people? You think about that. Okay. And verse 13 says, Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just think about the power in that prayer. And that's what really blessed me. Okay. So, enough of that. And there's so much more we could say. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to turn to Luke 6. We're going to start there. I have quite a few, um, some reading this morning we're going to do. I think it's just, I just think it's a, uh, we need to read from the Word of God. Let's see what Jesus has to say to us. So Luke 6, let's um, plow in here about verse 46. And this was even talked about here this morning. And why call me Lord and and Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you Show to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently, beat heavily upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which, which the stream did beat vehemently, um, heavily, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. So, is your house built upon a rock? What did we say about the Tears Tower? I think it's amazing how they built this thing. They have these huge concrete things that, that the tower is fastened to, that is holding this tower in place. And you know what? They have these huge concrete things, round pillar things that they put down into the earth, 100 feet down into bedrock, and it holds that tower there. And when the wind blows and the, and, the, and the snow flies, you know what? And the rain comes down, that tower is standing there. You know, at the top, how much should we say it moves? It moves however much, but you know what? It's still there. And you know, there's many times that people, we are not founded upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And when the wind blows, they, they lose out. And that, to me, is very sad to me. When people are not around, and you know, we're like this house that's on the sand. So, you know, this morning we're going to talk about some of that stuff. You know, are we grounded upon it? What, and so the questions I have, a few questions here. Young people and older people alike here. What militates against the building of a strong, strong foundation? What militates against, you know what militate means? What chops away at the truth? What chops away at the foundation of your life? What militates against of building a strong foundation? And so we're just going to talk about some of those things. Let's turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7. And it reads like this. And it says, Enter ye into the straight, straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. These people had, these people that found, the few that found it, they had a strong foundation. Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Today in the church there's people in sheep's clothing. You know, we don't like, our minds don't like to go there. But let's just face the fact, in our churches at times there's people in sheep's clothing. And they lead many astray. 
But inwardly they are ravening, ravening wolves, hungry wolves. They shall, ye shall know them by their fruits. What kind of fruit are you growing this morning? What kind of tr- fruit is on your tree this morning? Are you like these Christmas trees? They have all this fake fruit and there's really nothing there. Are you like that dry morsel piece of bread that Brother Jeremy brought up here? Are you like that? Do you have life flowing through you? Do you have, are you vibrant with your Christianity today? And it says that, that you shall know them by the fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth good, evil fruit. So if you're, if, you're, if you're a good tree here this morning, you are living a life for God that honors God. You know what? You're not going to bring forth evil fruit. But if you're a tree that you just are a shell, you're not going to bring forth good fruit. You're not going to bring forth what people want what people see you know when i was i was you all's age i would see i would see some men that i would kind of look up to and you know that made an impact on my life because of what i saw because of what i saw there was something within them that was appealing to me you know they had a they had a connection with god you know they were not ashamed of who jesus was and that impressed me as a young man. And every tree bringeth forth and every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and is cast into the fire, whereby their fruits are shall be known shall be known them. Ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father of which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew ye. Depart from me, you worker of in that, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came up, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and, the fall, and it fell, and, it, and great was the fall of it. You know, when they built the Sears Tower, when they built the Hoover Dam, when they built the St. Louis Arch and places like that, it's amazing how much time they spent building a foundation. So I am here pleading with you, let's build a strong foundation in our lives. But you know, this morning, what are some of the things that militate against our, for our strong foundation that we are trying to build, that we are endeavoring to build? Oh my, I can already see we're going to run out of time. So I'm just going <laughs> to... So here are some of the things, young people and older people like. There are some things that will militate. What kind of music do you fill yourself with? What kind of music do you listen to? Does it honor God or is it sensual? Does it take away from God? Would you, would you think Jesus would be there? Would, would he be satisfied with the music that I listen to? You know, there were times in my life when I listened to stuff that was not good. It did not honor God. Here's another one, electronics. How much does electronics in my day control me? With all the electronics that we have in our day, what does it control you? I told one of my children, I said, throw your phone away. Do not allow that stupid thing to control you. You control it. And I told this story here before, and I'm going to say it again. You know, there's people that I, most of the time I carry my phone on vibrate. And one time it was there buzzing away, and the man says, hey, he said, get the, you need to get that. No, I'm talking to you. I'm not, it's for my convenience, okay? In the church today, I am appalled, sometimes, okay, let me back up here a little bit. I am sometimes appalled at what I see in the church today. Why is the church not a vibrant fire that's burning hotly? Why is the church many times is anemic and no power and, and they take authority upon themselves that we should not take? Grab your seatbelt. The church today is too much involved in aspects of witchcraft. And I remember the day when Roger's uncle spoke on this subject over here. I think it was still up at the Tangent Church. It was many years ago. And people who try to 
justify this thought process and their involvement. And this whole issue is a huge issue. This whole thing is a huge topic. I'm not even going to try. But you know, Saul, he used witchcraft. He called up a witch. And you know what? God did not take that lightly. What? Am I involved? Ask yourself. Get honest with yourself. Am I participating in these type of activities? And if it is, it needs to be gone. Get honest with yourself. Ask. Pray. Have God reveal these types of things to me. What is this part of a witchcraft thought process? When I was over in China on this business trip, this place where we installed this machine over there was out in the middle of nowhere. And somebody asked the question, how did you decide, how did you decide to put this plant here? And, this, and they said this with no bones about it. They said, we called in a sorcerer. I'm like, what? We called in a sorcerer. You know, that's all part of witchcraft. Here's the next one. What militates against the strong foundation? A spirit of apathy? No passion for God. Do you have a passion here for God this morning? Is your, is, are, are you like the 19 and 9? And you're, you, you, you know what? Hey, folks, we've got 99 people here, so who cares about that one out there? That one, that one person that still doesn't seem to care. Are we concerned about the one person that's out there? Are we like the shepherd who's going to go out in the highways and the byways and find where that sheep is? Are we willing to go out there? Am I? The other day, I had a phone call, and this man, he wondered if we would be willing to go down to the Eugene Mission in a week from tomorrow and sing down there, our family. I'm like, Ugh. I've been down there many times when we were at our former congregation in Brownsville, and I remember well. And I didn't really like going down there. And now here we are years later, and we've been asked to go down there and wonder if we would help sing. Eugene Mission. And I was trying to rack my brain of every excuse I could use so I wouldn't have to go down there. The place stinks, and those people are just, in my mind, have wasted many years. There's, there's, there's tons of talent that down there is just wasting and rotting away, and I can just think of all these people. It's just a disgusting spectacle to me. But then I have to remember, what did God say? How does God feel about those people? Didn't we sing that song, Amazing Grace, that saved a what? A perfect, nice, shined up person? A wretch like me. And you know what? There am I, but by the grace of God. Those people have a soul that will spend eternity somewhere. Do I have a passion? Does my heart beat? Does my heart cry have the same that God's has? What would Jesus say to me today? Or do I have, we'll talk about a little bit about this, do I have an elder brother mentality in the prodigal son story? Let's go, let's, let's look into that. In Luke 15, this is a story of the prodigal son. And this story has been read many times. This, story, this, this parable has been talked about many times. And I am not going to tell you nothing. We don't, I was going to read it, but we don't have time to read all this. But here we find the prodigal son. You know, here he, here he had these, these things that took him down. I'm not going to read this for the sake of time. But here he had these things that militated against his foundation. Number one, in verse 12, it says, And the younger, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion, give me my share of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him, them his living. So he was selfish. Being selfish militates against a strong foundation. You know, we're our, our, sorry, our self-will. It's about me. It's not about God. It's about me. In verse 13, he said, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance. He was selfish. He was all about himself. He did not think about how his dad felt, his brother at home, and all those, and let alone his mom. And, you know, he was, it was about himself. So he separated himself. I'll go into a far country. And we'll talk another about another man who went into a far country. And you know what? Anyway. It was not good. 
It was not good. And there he wasted his substance. Verse 14 it says, And there came a mighty famine. And he began, he began to be in want. He had nothing. There became this famine. You know what? How many times did God have to pursue you with a famine? You know what? Until we came to the end of ourselves. And you know what? I pray that God would send a famine after us. Those who do not know Jesus. He would send a famine into their lives. He was, this, this prodigal, he was spiritually and morally bankrupt. You know, how many times have we put, have people in our congregations, in our churches, in our Anabaptist settings, we sit there all nicely, and yet we're spiritually and morally bankrupt. And then we wander around, why are our churches powerless? Why don't we have power? It's because we are no better than this prodigal son. It's easy for us to look down our nose and feel all sanctified about ourselves and say, you know what, we got it together. You know what, that is the spirit of the elder son. Okay, verse 15. He was train wrecked. He, was, he, he, had, he had dire circumstances. He, was a, he had his back against the wall. In verse 15, it also talks about, let's just read that. <clears throat> How can we do this without reading what, the, what Jesus has to say here? And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he, he sent him into his fields with his feed the hogs, feed the swine. You know, the prodigal son, he took his own way. He went, he went into a far country, but you know what? His whole life was going to and you know, he ended up in the pig pen. And how many times do we end up in a pig pen? You know, we're going to talk about Jonah this morning. You know what? He, 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 he jumped on a boat and he went down into the boat and slept. But you know what? He ended up in the whale's belly. So how many times do, does God send a severe famine after us? You know, it all ends at the same place. It ends up in the pig pen. It ends up in the, in the whale's belly. You don't want to go there. These things that militate against a strong foundation that you are going to build in your life with the help of Jesus Christ himself. Let God be that rock to you. <clears throat> Is there hope for me to build a strong foundation? Can I build a strong foundation? You know, verse 17 talks about like this. And he came, and when he came to himself, he finally said, I had enough. I had enough. You know, there's, there's servants in my father's house have way more than I do. And here I am, feed, in the hog pen, feeding these crazy hogs. And there's, there's servants at my father's house that they're eating. I mean, they're having steak every day. And here I am, feeding these, feeding these hogs. And, and I'm, he said, the Bible says that he, he desired, he longed to eat the husk of that the, that the hogs are eating. And I ask you this morning, how many times have we as Christian people have eaten the husk of the swine? When we could be defying the word of God. You know, I just want to bless Caleb here this morning. He finally downloaded his Bluetooth Bible app, or whatever you call this thing, the blue letter. Let's get that straight. And you know, it's so nice. You know, I don't, I could put it on voice and it'll read to me, you know. God bless you. In verse 18, it reads like this. And I will rise. So he made a decision. I will rise. I had enough of this. I had enough of the hogs and wine. I had enough of this business. I will rise and go to my father. And how many times do we need to rise and go to our father? All my insecurities. All my shattered nerves. Go to my father and say, here we are. This is who I am. You know what? You might as well tell him who you are. Because he already knows you. He already knows that you're... Your, your, your life is shattered. He already knows all your insecurities. He knows that you have all these problems. So you might as well tell him. And many times we as people, we like to keep it all sanctified to ourselves. We don't want to share it to know it. And you know what? The devil loves darkness. But you know what? If we go tell, tell God, you know, this is who I am. This is who I am. I have all these insecurities. I'm scared. I have these fears. And God just wants to pour himself. You know, like last Sunday, I was so blessed by Brother Merle. He said, you know, am I this, this, this jar? You know, he takes the nobodies, this prodigal son. He was a nobody. Let's, let's look at that. He said, I will go to my father and say unto him, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. 
In verse 19 it says, And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of these hired servants. Make me one of thy workers. I'm just satisfied. I don't want, you know, I'm not your son no more. I'm just satisfied to be a worker. I'm just satisfied to be a servant. You know, but I can, I can, I can eat at your table. You know, humility. He humbled himself. Repentance in his heart. I have sinned. Humility. 19. Humility. No more worthy to be called a son. I'll just be a servant. You know, isn't that how we are with Jesus? But Jesus says, you know, you're my son. Where God says that. In verse 20, there was re- reconciliation. What a beautiful time. Verse 20 says like this. And he arose and came to his father. And, he was ye- and when he was yet a far great way off, when he was a long ways away... <clears throat> His father saw him and had compassion and ran. Do I have compassion about those hundred men down at the Eugene Mission? Like, I don't want to get contaminated. You know, I, when I used to go down there, we used to stand there and feel all good about ourselves. And we shake all our hands. And, you know, I was thinking, Ugh, all those germs. Ugh. And I'm not a nurse. You know, germs see, you know, nurses, they see germs everywhere. But I'm just a farmer boy. And I just like, huh. But you know what? What would God say? Well, how would Jesus feel about those people? Do I have a heart of compassion? And it says, and he had, his father had, a, had, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, how, do you think it's even possible that this father looked every day and ran out there? It's my son coming home. Are we coming home? And isn't that way with the prodigals today? As we as dads look out there, is he, are they coming home? Is God looking? Is Jesus looking at us? When will he get rid of whatever? Is he coming home? And you know, well, and you know what did he do? What did he do? And the father said unto his servants, "Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet." You know he must have been in bad shape when he got there. But isn't that what God wants to do with us? He wants to reclothe us in righteousness. He wants to put on the shoes of holiness on us. He wants to clean us up, purify us, sanctify us, and make us His own. That's a beautiful place to be. In the, have, a, have, a, have a father who cares about us. And then he throws on this big feed. He said, bring, feather the, bring here the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Let us eat and be merry. What a time of rejoicing. The loss that has come back. And you know, then the story changes. Now we're talking about the elder brother. He's got a big problem. You know, we don't have time to talk about all that. But I will say this. You know, the elder brother, you know, he probably felt, you know, here I stayed at home and did all this work and yada, 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 yada. And he had all these different excuses and feeling good about himself because I'm the elder son and I stayed home and I just, you know, worked, worked and worked and worked. And I did all the things that my father had. Can't you just hear all this? And now he's all huffed and puffed because he won't kill the fatted calf. You know what? Kill ten of them for you if that makes you happy. But, you know, the father, he tried to entreat him. You know, the elder son, he said, you know, this, this, he wouldn't even come to the feast. He wouldn't even come for the steak. He wouldn't come. It says, and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he said unto, and said to his, and he answered, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgress. Oh, feeling good about himself. And at, at any time my, thy commandment, or any time at, that, at thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. Oh, wow, wow. And soon as thy son has come, thou hast devoured, and he devoured his living with the harlots, and thou hast killed the fatted calf from him. And he said to his son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should be merry and be glad for this thy brother is dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. It should be a time of rejoicing. You know, when the loss is found, sometimes we think, think you know, well, they did this and this. I asked a man one time, I asked a man one time, um, I said, hey, um, they were talking about this this person, they had, they had some uh, moral failures in the past and they were talking about this, and I was listening. And I, and I challenged this man. I says, at what point in time can, he, can a person that has sin in his life ever live it down? 
if we constantly hold it over them. I said, at what point in time, at what point in time, do you think Jesus, he takes a sanctified heart, and he, God looks at that? What does God say? Do you think he, well, he did, and we can add in or whatever. But you know what? God don't see that no more. Let's go to Jonah. Let's go to Jonah. Let's see what Jonah did. Oh, my. Jonah 1. Let's see here. In Jonah 1, it says, And the Lord, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, preach against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Noah, well, Noah, but Jonah rose to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. To go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there were the mighty tempests of the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. You know, do, do you think the ship would ever have been broken? I think it just rattled that ship. It rattled those unsaved sailors. And you know, how many times does God, the very storm that God sent after Jonah, is the very storm that, the very famine, the very storm that He sent after that he sent after this prodigal son. And how many times does God have to hurl a storm after us to call us back into his own? How many times, you know, you see people who once lived a godly and holy life, and they, and they have all these things that I heard a, a pastor say one time, they have to crawl over mountains to go to hell. And yet they'll go. God is constant, and those are those storms, or are those that storm that He sent after Jonah was His God's mercy upon him. That famine that He sent after after the prodigal son, that was a God's mercy upon him. God, we are still in a day of God's mercy, and let us not squander it. You know, when we have a solid foundation, this is all taken out of Romans chapter 5. You can read it for yourself. Romans chapter 5. Read the first 10 verses. And I just penciled these things in. Having a strong foundation. It brings peace. It brings a peace that is beyond any earthly peace that will ever give you. You know, there's people who will do drugs. They will do alcohol. They will, and the list goes on to just escape from the present trials and the tribulations of their world as they know it. They will do everything to drown out, to ease the chaos and, the, and all the train wreck in their lives. But you know what? When we have a strong foundation and the winds of life blow upon you, it will give you a peace that you will have because you are anchored upon the rock of Jesus Christ. You have access to the Father. And how much more do we need than to have access to the God the Father Himself? To have access to the Holy of Holies, so to speak. It will bring a joy that you will have. You know, I had somebody say, you know, they, they, were, they were talking about somebody else. And they said, you know, there's something about that person that there's always this joy on their face. There's always this joy. It's because I happen to know that person. And it's because they have Jesus. There will, we will have glory in tribulation. You know, there's tribulation that come into our lives. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. But, you know, somehow can we find a way through that serving God with a spirit that fills us with joy? You know, there's things that happen to us. It brings us sadness. But, you know, there's this anchor that we have. Our, our, the wheels aren't falling off the wagon, so to speak. Because there's... We have a God who cares and is interested in us. We have a patience. There's a patience that we have. It talks about patience. It talks about experience. We have a hope. And there's a, we have the love of God in our hearts. You know, now there's a man I want to talk to you about. We've got five minutes left. There's a man back in Genesis, Genesis chapter um, 45. At the end of Genesis, there's a man who we want to talk about. And here's where we want to talk about. We want to end on, on a positive note right now. And we have five minutes left. And here we find this man, Joseph. He is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Joseph. A man who had an anchor. You know, he had, he had 11 other brothers that were just rotten to the core. And here, this Joseph, he got, 
You know, it's easy for me to say, well, Joseph, why didn't you just shut up? Why didn't you just be quiet? Why did, why did you have to tell him these dreams? You went down yourself in a big jam. Now you're flaunting this stuff that you're going to have these, 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 these people bowing down before you. Why didn't you just, hey, just be quiet? But that's not what he did. He shared these dreams, and his brothers, boy, did they come up for air. You know, this there is no way we're bowing the knee before this guy. I mean, he's the youngest, almost basically the youngest. We're not bowing the knee before this guy. And we're not doing all this stuff. We'll just fix that problem. But you know what? God is so much higher and so much wiser and so much mightier. God says, you watch this. You know, do you think God was on his throne? Whoa, these guys are... T- what are they doing with my son? What are they doing with this... With this man who I plan on redeeming Israel, my people, the Jews, the Jewish people, the, 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 how, how's this all going to work? God said, that's okay. That's okay. But you know one of the things I admire about Joseph? You know, he was sold down there in Egypt. He was, he was, he was kicked around down there. And then to top it off, you know, then the, then the king of the house, I don't know, the pharaoh of the house, so to speak, his wife, she tried to, she tried to entice him. He says, no. He says, you know, I have, oh, I have, I have, everything is in my domain, so to speak. I'm just telling you the story in my words. Everything in my, in, in the domain of this kingdom is mine. It's given to me, except you. And I am not to touch it. I will not touch it because I serve a God. This is heaven. She tried and she tried. And finally, she made a launch for him. He ran. He left some of his clothes there. He ran. And she fabricated. She was a, must have been a beautiful fabricator. She fabricated this beautiful story. And you know what? He found himself sitting in jail. Can you imagine? Now, if you were there, it's easy to see. It's easy to, for me and you to read this story and say, Oh, I would have done the same thing. Really? Really? I want to challenge you this morning. Joseph did not know the end of the story. And Joseph, he sat down in that jail because what he did was right and good. Because he was watching, he wasn't so concerned about who was six foot high and watching him. He was watching because he served a God that saw him and that was taking notes. How is this my son going to work out? How is he going to play this out? And he was willing to take a chance to do his right and found himself in jail. Now, I would have easily found myself, poor me, you know, I'm sitting down here in jail because I'm trying to do what's right and God has forgotten me. My brothers have kicked me out. My, nobody knows that I'm alive and my circumstances are above. I think God can, himself can even fix. But Joseph didn't do that. Joseph didn't do that. He went down there and pretty soon he had dominion over the jail. He, he, he rose in power, so to speak, in a jail as much as you can. And what do you know? Here comes the butler and the baker. Oh my, they messed up. They got thrown in jail. They had these dreams. Joseph transferred these dreams for them. Interpreted them for them. And you know, here we find Joseph. And he, said, he told the one, he said, when you go back, you remember me. It was two years. And you know, and now the king, he had a dream. And you know, he was willing to take a chance. He said, oh yes, this butler or baker, whoever did it, whoever made it alive. So oh, yes, there was this guy in jail. Down there, when I was down there. And he related his dream. Call him up. They cleaned him up. Brought him before the king. Brought him before Pharaoh. And he tore. And you know, he went from the lowest of the lowest. He was a piece of broken potter. That broken jug we were talking about last Saturday that he talked about. And God exalted him to the highest place in the kingdom. Now all of a sudden he's the ruler. And now, what do we find? Let's, let's look at chapter, um, chapter 45, 1 through 5. And here we are. And, for, and so here, here comes this mighty famine, just exactly the way Joseph said. And Joseph told the Pharaoh, he said, you put in place somebody that's going to take care of these goods for you. And he said, who is there a better place than you yourself? Now here we are, the famine, we're two years into the famine. And now here we are in chapter 45. And Joseph could not refrain himself that his brothers were coming because they found there was corn down there. So now the family's coming down there. In, verse 40, in chapter 45, verse 1, it says, And then Joseph could not refrain himself before them all that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brother. Chapter Genesis, chapter 45, verse 1. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians of the, of the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brother, I am Joseph. I am Joseph, death, my father, yet live. He wanted to know, is my dad's dad still alive? <clears throat> and his brethren could not answer, and they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me. 
I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. And this is a beautiful spirit of Joseph that I much enjoy. And it says like this, for God did send me before you to preserve life. What a beautiful experience where Joseph, you know, he could have been angry. He could have been. And I'd like to I would like to plead with you this morning as 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 Joseph sent his brothers out in verse 20 in verse 24 of chapter 45 says, and he sent his brothers away and he said unto them, see that ye fall not out by the way. Do not be angry with yourselves. Do not fight and bicker and wonder whose problem it is or whose fault it is. Do not fall out by the wayside. You know, what a beautiful spirit, amazing spirit of Christ. Do I have that aroma coming out of me? Am I just hacked off with life? You know, sometimes you just feel these people, they're just like, and you know what? I don't like to be around people like that. I just like to be around people who have this aroma of Christ that, that, you know, you just want to be with. Because you know what? You just see Jesus. I like to be with people like that. And you know, there's sometimes people, they have all kinds of adverse circumstances come their way. And yet they have this beautiful spirit. That is what I want to be like. I like watching people like that. I like to be with people like that. Not somebody that's all turned off with life. In chapter 49, it is time to close, but chapter 49. And here we see... um, as, as, as Israel, as, as Jacob has given a blessing upon his children, and some of these blessings, you read about some of these blessings that he has given to his children, they're not so good. I'm like, whoa, I'm glad I'm not that. I would like to see, I would like to be the Joseph. I would like to be the verse 22. And it says like this, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by the well, whose branches overrun, to, overrun the wall. Am I that fruitful bough? Am I that one that is by the well? You know what? When life dishes out, bad things to you, so to speak. Are you like that? You know, you know. I have to think about it. Sometimes when you go through a, a parking lot, <clears throat> you know, I was up in central Washington this past week, up there in Moses Lake area, and it is dry. If it don't have water, it don't grow. But you know, as I was out there in this dry dirt, here I seen like green leaves. I seen life growing up, and I'm like, how in the world? You know, are you like that water? Are you like that, are you like that plant by the well? You know, that's exactly what it was. He's just fruitful about. He was sent for to, to preserve life. You know, he saw it as God. He saw the bigger picture. And how about when I find myself? Do I have a strong enough foundation that's going to see me through? Am I going to come out like Joseph of old who came out and as, as a beautiful, that you know, the winds of time and the earthquakes and everything that shook his train, his wheels all stayed on. You know, he was that fruitful about. He had a message for the people You know, it's not you. It was God. Can I do that? Can I do that? Am I willing to go there? Well, that's a stretch. And then, and then in chapter fifty, verses. um, Let's go to um, these. uh, Then now all of a sudden, the father died, and now these 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 other brothers they were all concerned and they were all disturbed and said, "Now Joseph Woolery in verse fifteen, chapter fifty, in verse fifteen he says, now certainly." Certainly he will requite us. Now certainly he will, he will retaliate all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent, they even sent a messenger to him saying, Hey, go before Joseph and, and I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren their sin, and for they did unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph, when he heard this, he wept. He, these brothers are not getting it. They are not getting it. They don't understand that God sent me before them. They don't get it. And his brother also went, and his brethren fell on his face before, fell down before his face. And they said, "Behold, we be thy servants." And verse nineteen says, "And just said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God?" He's asking this question. Verse twenty says, "Be it." Be as for you, ye thought evil against me. He's saying, "You thought evil against me." But God, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. What a beautiful story. And you know, am I building a foundation to save much people alive? We are here to just do our jobs and just do our thing. You know what? 
How do you know what kind of impact you are going to have on the other person's life? I am told statistics show that you influence in your lifetime a thousand people. I'm telling you, you count how many people are here this morning. We all influence a thousand people for right or for bad. You do the math. You do the math. I just want to close with Psalm 31. With Psalm 31, I just want to read you five verses. Five verses in Psalm 31. And I would just like I would just like to read this to you. And I want you to put yourself in the Psalmist David's place. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily, for thou art my strong rock, for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, in thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. May God bless you as you watch for areas in your life that militates against the strong foundation that God wants to give to you and that you uh, build in your life because I'm telling you, the devil does not give up easily. And we need a strong foundation in our lives that we can stand when adversity blows and the winds of life blow that we're like that Sears Tower that just moves a little bit. You know, there's times in life when things happen to us that shake us to the core. But you know, somehow we can keep it all together because we have this rock. We are going to be faithful to the end. How about when, 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 the, when the, um, in Russia, when the communists came, those young men, they stood firm. You know, how would it be with you young men today if the, if the, if the Nazis would come? Or if the communists would come, would you be willing to stand? Would you be willing to, back in the 1500s, when they burned people at the stake right, left, center, would we be solid and say, you know what, we will not bend the knee? You ask yourself. It's good to ask even myself. Am I willing to stand strong when life is not going my way? Or am I going to be like many who are going to bow the knee Am I going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, of Abednego of old? Who, you know what, it really don't matter. Throws in that furnace. But I'm not bowing the knee to that thing. He is, that idol is not the God of heaven. I am not going to bow the knee. We are not going to bow the knee. We don't really care. We'll lose our life. We, we, we would rather burn than bow the knee to a God that does not hear. You know, the God was a small g. You know, we serve a mighty God. And you know, I get blessed many times when I read that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stood strong in the test of their faith. What about Jesus himself in Matthew 4? You know, he comes out of, he comes out of the 40 days of fasting. And now Satan takes him up and he throws all these temptations for him. But you know what? He just wanted a little bit of worship. Just bow the knee before me. I just want a little bit of worship from you. Jesus says, no, depart from me. I want nothing to do with it. But you know what? We serve a God who will keep us strong. And with his power and with his help, build a strong foundation. Brother Roger.